Welcome to Disruptive Successor, a show for next generation leaders in family businesses and entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the status quo and take their existing business to a whole new level. We all know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. This show will provide inspiration, advice, and resources to help you create massive impact. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Hi, it's Jonathan Goldhill, and welcome back to another episode of the Disruptive Successor Show. My guest today is Zach Carlin. Zach has had an unconventional path to success. He was a professional athlete in three different sports, and injury took him out of each at various points. From there, he started his entrepreneurial journey by flipping and selling gyms. Today, he runs his own business consulting firm specializing in scaling small to medium-sized businesses. Zach has provided executive leadership coaching for companies like HP, Salesforce, and Tamco, helping leaders navigate complex challenges. He is also the VP of development for a window manufacturing company. Zach, you've had quite a background in a lot of different areas. And so welcome to the show. If you wouldn't mind by starting to tell us about your journey to becoming a professional athlete, you're the first on the show to have that background. Well, that is an honor, and thank you very much for having me. This is a this is a big pleasure, big big pleasure. Um, so I I was a professional fighter. Um, I turned pro when I was eighteen, uh, just at the tail end of of being eighteen. Uh, small small town, Canada is where I'm from. There wasn't much else to do, and if you weren't doing sports, you were doing not so great things. <laughs> so I chose I chose the sports, right? Um, for the most part, and then I, I was in martial arts from an early age. I was a black belt in karate by the time I was eight boxing and by the time i was 12 it was just kind of what what you do to stay out of trouble there's only 900 people in my town the closest city was about an hour and a half away so it's just we, we wanted to keep busy because again the alternatives were drugs and alcohol and that kind of stuff so uh, so by the time i was 18 um, i had my first uh, professional mixed martial arts fight um got into a little bit of trouble when i when i was 17 18 years old and that's kind of what got me out of it uh, and then when i turned 19 kind of the tail end of being 19 I decided to make the the move to move from a small town close from Alberta, Canada, to Las Vegas. So that's that's when I uh, that was kind of when my the, the lights were on, yeah. And that's when I really like okay, I'm a professional athlete now. So and I fought professionally uh, until 20, 2023, or sorry, twenty twenty three, twenty thirteen. There we go, right, uh, twenty thirteen. Um, and then while I was doing that, I was I was also running my own, uh, you know, solopreneur. Uh, trying to make some money on the side just as a personal trainer, working with some people to try to get some money. So that was kind of my first soiree into as a professional athlete and running a running a little bit of a business. Wow. 
Well, you're definitely probably also from the smallest town of anyone I've ever known. 900 people. That's that's crazy small. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I don't think of martial arts as a profession that people make money at. And so so back up a little bit and tell us, like, what's the mindset of or what was your mindset? As a, as a martial artist, what is the mindset of a, of a martial artist? And because I know it's different from a professional athlete. I live in Los Angeles where uh, Shohei Otani just signed a $700 million contract wow. with, with the Los Angeles Dodgers, the largest wow. ever, a ridiculous amount, but he's the, he's considered to be the Babe Ruth of today. He pitches yeah. and he hits. So tell us what, what's the journey of a martial artist like, like, yeah. So, like I said, in, in my my town where I'm from, it was either sports or drugs, and I mm-hmm. I had I had gotten into to that. So I, mm-hmm. by the time I was 17, I was I was actually homeless for just under a year, mm-hmm. and and it's 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 what got me out mm-hmm. of it was focusing back on on the art, martial arts, like fighting, right? Um, so it's kind of all I knew uh, a little bit. It's kind of all I thought I could be successful in at the time. Uh, so the the, the the thought process behind it was just, this is what I have to do to survive. Mm-hmm. And my first, the first fight I was paid for was in a, it was in a nightclub called the back alley. And mm-hmm. if everybody listening is picturing it right now, it looks like that. Um, Sounds like Eminem in the movie, uh, uh, eight, 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 eight mile. Yeah. Eight mile. Right? <laughs> you're not that far. You're not that far off. Mm. Um, and I got paid $450 for that. Wow. And I did not win. Uh, so I got paid $450 to get beat up as an 18 year old. So, wow. um, but it was all, again, it was all like kind of new, mm-hmm. right? So the, the mindset was, this is what got me out of that bad situation. So this is what I need to keep doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then as I met better people, I got around better people. I started to, the, the mindset, you asked the mindset, it moved from kind of survive, just doing this to, to keep moving to appreciating the hard work that it takes to, uh, how does everything kind of work together, right? If I'm fighting somebody who's, or my, my next oppo- opponent is a, who's a wrestler in Canada, we're not right. known for wrestling. So if I'm fighting a right. wrestler, right. then how do I formulate a plan and a strategy? And then how do I execute in my training to overcome these obstacles, right? I had an outcome that I needed. I had little mm-hmm. steps that I needed. I had skills that I had to get better at. Mm-hmm. And then I needed to put a plan together to achieve the outcome that I wanted, or at least increase the likelihood that I would achieve the outcome that I wanted. Um, so that was, that was really the, the mindset shift was, was appreciating the, the formula, appreciating yeah. the art of yeah. it, that everything yeah. had to work together to achieve a specific outcome, at least increasing the odds. And and how long were you able to do this, uh, sport? Is it a sport? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. How yep. long were you able to do this sport before you either aged out or just, you know, decided to move mm-hmm. on? What was, yeah. so know? it was just under four years. So I had 11 fights, uh, just under four years and I dislocated my hip Okay, and that was uncomfortable. So at 23 years old, dislocating your hips, not a, it's not a great start to your development. Right. Uh, so I, and I was fighting for a promotion called SCC superior cage combat. They have not been around for 10 plus years now. Right. Um, and they were kind of what was keeping me in the country. Cause again, I'm Canadian moving to, to the States and they were what right. was kind of keeping me in the country. So when I got cut from them, cause if you can't fight, you're not worth anything to them. Right. Um, uh, and then I ended up having to get, I got kicked out of the country um, i like to say that and sometimes i'll say that and i won't tell people why and they'll be like mm. but it was just uh, we, we missed some paperwork and i got kicked out of the country and then that's kind of when my uh next sport uh 
started blossoming and then then i really started getting into running running gyms and owning businesses at that okay point. all right so before we get that i just wanted mm-hmm. to make a sort of a small point or story here which is you know not being from that background not being where martial arts is a big thing um i can see how it leads to incredible success uh i could say that my biggest competitor is a big podcaster um, his name is Joe Rogan. He's not my competitor, but uh, he d- did get a very large podcasting contract from Spotify. And uh, he's a serious martial artist guy, mm-hmm. and he's still into it. I think he still fights, if I'm not mistaken. And he's what, 50, 55 years old? 53? Like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. My daughter actually used to be friends with his daughter and used to hang out at his house. I was like, oh. Joe Rogan from Fear Factor? Seriously? The comedian? The guy? Yeah. Like, And now he's like the podcast superstar. Anyway, okay. So I digress. All right. So then you... So, and it's interesting. 11 fights over four years. That's not a lot of fights, it seems. But it's a lot of... You know, that's probably like a professional boxer. You know, if you did three fights, four fights a year, then mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're constantly either preparing for a fight recovering from a fight um so interesting okay so then you made the transition to being a gym owner Mm -hmm. what uh and because i guess you had a side hustle going on all these years since you said you were young um and gyms made sense yeah it it, again it was just kind of what i what i knew i was good at Mm -hmm. at the time and uh so i had through all this time, again, like you said, you're only only fighting 11, 11 times in four years, so that's eleven right. paychecks. It's right. not a lot, right? No. So, <laughs> Comparatively to weekly or, or lump, biweekly or monthly, that's a whatever, lumpy. Right? That's a lumpy income, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, I had to obviously I had to make money in between because even my highest paycheck was a. a, a so you, you would typically you get paid to show, like show right. up, right. and then you'd get a bonus to win. And right. then if it, and then if it was a good fight or whatever it was, you get another little bonus. And the most I would I think I ever got was was right around the eight thousand mark, wow. to the show and I won. Um, and that again, that was maybe my third fight that year. So to get paid, even if it was eight thousand dollars three times a year, it's not very yeah. much money. No. So yeah, I was I was doing uh, personal training. Um, is that is that Canadian? A eh? No, it was no. I was American, so I felt like I was rich. <laughs> I felt like I was rich. Okay. And the dollar, unfortunately, the dollar was pretty good at the time, so it didn't it didn't it didn't translate really well. Okay. But uh, I was so I was doing no, it's okay. So I was doing uh, personal training and, and um, strength and conditioning on the side. Right. Right. I was just just doing my own my own thing and kind of educating sure. myself on that. And that was YouTube was starting to be a thing at that time now, so I could get you could you could start to get a lot of uh, information on the internet at that point. So that's where yeah. a lot of my initial. Um, education came from on both the physical education part and in the business education part um, but again there wasn't still wasn't a ton out there so I was making a lot of mistakes still a lot of learning back then was from hard knocks yeah um, so I tried to translate everything that I learned into owning a owning a gym in Canada and I switched um, that's when I, my second sport kind of came to the forefront which is CrossFit and I started competing in CrossFit. And the only reason I even bought into a gym is because I needed a place consistent to train at. Cause again, I had to move back to a small town and this gym was in the city, Calgary, Alberta, which was about an hour, hour and a half drive. Mm-hmm. So I, I bought the gym. So I had a cool place to work out in. And that was, that was it wow. until wow. I got the first, I saw the first profit loss statement. And I was like, I thought the number would be bigger. I thought business owners made a lot of money. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, um, then I, that's when I kind of became almost a hobbyist, uh, business owner. Yeah. Because my, my I was full time training, 
um, in, in CrossFit. And again, I didn't know I could compete in CrossFit. And I was like, oh, I can compete in something and not get hit in the head. Sounds good. You made money in that as well. I made way more money in that. Wow. So I, I, I ended up, so I, in 2015, um, you know, I was one of the, I think I was, I was rated uh, seventh fittest man in the world in 2015 mm. and I competed all around the world. I competed in France, Brazil, Dubai, all over the States, all over Canada. Um, you know, and I would win 20, sometimes $30,000 at these competitions Amazing. plus, plus sponsorships and all this kind of stuff. So I was able, I had, I had a little bit, I was a little bit more cash, cash heavy so I could invest in, in these gyms. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's when I kind of, that was my full-time thing. And then when I wasn't doing that, I started getting obsessed with, okay, how can I make that number go up? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. So I, I started, I started getting a lot into, into, into that. I started studying a little bit of marketing. Marketing is obviously marketing is different every day. It seems like now, but mm-hmm. marketing back then was a lot different than it is now. Sure. So I start, started studying a lot on, on marketing, um, sales, obviously sales was, was really, really big, um, hiring, bringing in the right people, the importance of having the right people around you. Um, diversifying your income streams, your services that you have. How can you bundle them? How can you make them more appealing? Promotions, all this kind of stuff. But anyways, I just got I got obsessed with that on my side gig. So when I was in my ice bath or my massage, that's what I was I was doing. I was studying how to how to how to make that number go up. Um, and then I ended up doing that. Uh, the number did go up, and uh, so that that was at my first gym. And then I moved and I bought two other gyms, or I bought into two other gyms, and mm-hmm. I kind of had a little bit more of a formula now. Mm-hmm. So I was able to increase that number a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, and then I started getting, you know, some strategic partnerships, understanding how, why, how, how important network is your, your network is, um, right. started doing some strategic partnerships with my own sponsors, um, you know, getting supplements in there, bringing in, um, leasing out office space for massage therapists and physios and that kind of stuff. So really trying to optimize the square footage really, because when it's something that's, it's very time for money, you have to optimize the square foot as much as you can. Right. So we were, we'd build little office spaces and leasing out to, to, um, you know, like I said, physiotherapists, massage therapists, chiropractors, stuff like that. Right. Um, so, and then again, just through strategic partnerships and kind of getting the formula, those two actually did very well, mm-hmm. got rid of both of those. And then I bought another one, um, outright this time and just applied the same. I had, I felt like I had a formula and just applied the same thing. Um, and I was able to make it pretty pretty lucrative and then i was doing this while i was competing and the only reason i was selling the other gyms again i was a hobbyist the only reason i was selling the other gyms because i was like this is taking up a lot of time and i don't have time i need to compete right <laughs> right so was, whenever whenever i sold the gyms it always lined up with the the big heavy the heavier competitive time of the year so it was never really like a oh this is what i do this is what i'm good at sort right. of thing it was just kind of like a build to scale kind of exactly. let's get multiple gyms let's build the franchise uh Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just I was just doing it, mm-hmm. um, and so then I, I had a had a sponsor that did uh, fitness equipment, and they brought me on to work with them and scale their both their performance center and the fitness equipment side of things. And then in that was from two thousand end of two thousand sixteen to two thousand eighteen, and we scaled that from when I came on they were doing like one point eight. By the time I was done, and at the end of twenty eighteen, we were doing closer to twenty. 20 at that right. point. So we, we scaled it pretty, yeah. So we scaled it pretty quickly. But what was it, the secret of that success of scaling, you know, eight fold or whatever the number is? Yeah. So luck, I'll, I'll give a little bit of luck, but luck is nothing without taking advantage of it. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I had a pretty good name by this point. So the marketing at that point, my network, again, I knew the importance of network. So I, I always, even if I didn't know what I was going to do with my network, I was building it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was able to utilize that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of that, we were able to get into a lot of bigger shows. 
bigger, whether they're conventions or bigger competitions. And then we would sign contracts to use our equipment. So we're basically leasing our equipment. So we didn't have to increase our cost of goods sold. So we were just kind of leasing. So we had a different, a bit of a different model. So we'd lease out our equipment. So our equipment would last longer. We'd make more money per square footage of steel, basically. Right. right. Um, and then again, I had a fairly big name in Western Canada. So I was on, um, I don't know, if, like Dick Sporting Goods. Yeah, of you course. Heard of yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you have so there, there's our mm-hmm. our equivalent would be Sport Check in mm-hmm. Canada. Mm-hmm. So I actually got a sponsor gig with them. So I was on billboards kind of everywhere, and then so I would kind of use that to plug. So the marketing was a lot more organic, right? So we didn't have to increase. We didn't have to spend a whole bunch of money um, on branding and ads and that kind of stuff. We were able to kind of keep our marketing costs down, but also push. And also, so my partner, his his main gig, we call it like the mothership. His main business was a logistics and transportation company. So that cut our transportation costs way down and our logistics way down because all that was already built in. Mm -hmm. So we had a lot of infrastructure. We had a lot of good foundation in place. The biggest thing was, okay, I need need different teams. This is my first kind of like, okay, I need to build out different departments and I need to bring in good people. Learned the hard way there a few times. Bring in good people and then those departments need to work well together. And they need to be like, like one cohesive unit, but also be kind of their own. Um, we, we didn't we didn't want to be too centralized. So that was that was a big part of it. That was having like a really good foundation in place. Amazing journey. Mm-hmm. And so there's a crossover, I think, and I'm sure you see it as well, between personal development and being fit mentally, physically into entrepreneurship and being fit mentally and physically. What what's the connection as you see it? So I think there's a few there. So one I kind of alluded to before, it was the understanding that everything has to work together, mm-hmm. right? So if I wanted to, if somebody wants to get in better shape, it's not just about, it's not just about eating better. Of course, that's going to help. But right. if you're somebody who is not where you want to be and you want to stand on stage or you want to have a six pack or, or you just want to feel healthier, mm-hmm. it starts there, but it's also how much sleep are you getting, mm-hmm. right? What's your stress levels? Mm-hmm. Are you getting the right vitamins in? Yep. Are you getting your steps and are you being active enough? Right. So yep. it's everything has to work together. Right. And it's the same thing in business. Everything has to work together, together cohesively. You can't have an amazing sales team, but you can't fulfill on your product or your service. Right. And if you can't, right. you can't, you shouldn't have an amazing product and service. You should, you should have that. But if you have that, but you can't sell it or market it, that doesn't matter. It's useless. Right. No one can find you. So everything has to work together. Right. So it was that was that was a big understanding. That was something mm-hmm. I kind of had a bit of an edge in. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And the other one is, is the ability to create habits. So if you're as, as a professional athlete, even if you're just somebody who gets in, who's in really good shape, you appear to have discipline and discipline's a tricky thing. You have to have discipline initially to create the habits. Right. Right. And if you have a good, good system to create habits, it takes less discipline again. So if you're somebody who is in great shape or has been a professional athlete, you kind of have some built in mm-hmm. systems to have the discipline to create good habits that you need to be successful. Right. So I think that that's a big edge that I think a lot of, if they so choose to use it, Mm -hmm. right. Those things are useless if you don't choose to use them. But I think that's a big edge that a lot of, again, these individuals or anybody who comes from sports and whether it's just in high school or whatever it is, but it's having that discipline and having that system to create the habits, I think is a, is a big crossover. I think it's immensely important. You know, as I look back on my life um, and my story was, my father passed away of a massive coronary when I was two, and he had a massive coronary when I was uh, born. 
So uh, he was in the hospital actually recovering when I was born. And so knowing that and then knowing at nine that his father passed away. So my dad passed away when I was two years old. He was 35. And then his father passed away when I was nine years old, also of a heart attack. And so growing up with that kind of an imprint um, and and growing up with a family who was active physically, I always knew that that would be an important part of my life. And so we always ate well, we ate fresh, uh, a lot of things that came from the garden, veggies and fruits that whatever my mom um, could grow herself in New York. And uh, that was really always important, always being uh, focused on exercise. And, and you know, if people would say, what we, you know, are you training? Because well, I used to do a lot of cycling. It seemed extreme mm-hmm. to a lot of people. And I said, I'm just uh, staying fit for life. Um, as a matter of fact, I was involved uh, for several years in a relationship with a woman who wrote a book called Fit for Life. And it was like that was a mantra for me is staying fit for life because it's a long haul. I'm not looking to become a triathlete and then have my hips replaced or my back replaced mm-hmm. or my knees go out. You know, if my knees started bothering, my hips started bothering, me, I stopped running pick up cycling. If, you know, if that started bothering me, focus on yoga. If yoga wasn't working, you know, do Pilates. I mean, so rotation was always important. Fitness is always important. And I think that type of fitness uh, directly crosses over to entrepreneurship and, or to being a leader or being successful. In a career, it doesn't have to be entrepreneurship, right? Could just be being at the top of your game, being a top salesman. So, mm-hmm. yeah, when your, your performances increase, your cognitive ability is increased. Yep. And if, if you are in a leadership position, you when you're when you're fit and you have you have that perceived discipline, people are more likely you're, you're a much better influencer. Right. Yep. And that's what a leader is, is just a positive influence to get an outcome. Right. So yep. it's it's huge. It's huge in so many different ways. Yeah. And like so I'm 65 years old today, Zach, and I don't think that I maintain the same level of physical activity that I used to. But the foundation is there and the cardio or what, you know, whatever could improve um, through. But but the foundation is what's so important for me, at least, you know, for others, maybe who are still trying to uh, accelerate their game. Maybe it would be important. I know Colonel Sanders didn't get really going until he was 65 years old. That's when Kentucky Fried Chicken got off the ground. But, you know, um, I'm not looking to do that. But I think this is really important. And as we segue the conversation into business coaching and consulting, which is what both of us do today, uh, it's so important to understand that business growth is also about personal growth, personal development growth. And that if you're going if we're going to grow you or your business, that we have to grow you first mm-hmm. and we have to grow your mindset. We have to grow your, your mm-hmm. fitness, mental fitness. Mm-hmm. And so that might, you know, might be really helpful to start with, Hey, you really need to get a fitness regimen mm-hmm. and a diet regimen and a sleep regimen and get that all in tune because we're about to go on a growth journey in your business. It's going to require you to stretch yourself personally yeah. and professionally. A hundred percent. And that, that, that's huge. I mean, as a business owner, you, you, like you said, foundation, you're the 
technically you're, you're the foundation. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. And your business is only going to climb as high as wide as the foundation is. So you always have to be, you almost have to stay ahead of that. And if you stop doing that, then that's the plateau. Right. And a lot of it's, a lot of it's you. And I, I don't think a lot of business owners, they, they see that they, they see it's okay. It's the market or okay. It's our, it's our sales, or maybe they blame it on their people sometimes. Right. Right. When if, if you got to take responsibility because it all starts and ends with you. Whether it's the way you communicate, the, the way you influence your people, your your skills that you have. Maybe you have skills in other places, but you decide to stay in this portion of your business when it's better off. Okay, I need to identify that, hire somebody else to come in. But all that is personal development, whether it's physical, mental, yeah. communication-wise. It's all, it's all that. You need to always be elevating and identifying where you want to go. What skills am I lacking in? What characteristics, what behaviors do I have that I shouldn't have or that I don't have that I should? And you should always be working on that. That's why that's one of our that's our thing so on our summit thing it's start with you that's the first thing that we do is we start we identify strengths and weaknesses with with the actual owner themselves and that's where it starts so that's a beautiful point that's great okay so i'm, in, I'm about to take a real radical turn in this conversation okay. but before i do i just want to i don't i want to segue with so you're older you're more mature you're not a professional athlete anymore um what kind of a routine or regimen do you have that you feel is still vital and vitally important for you to be able to do this other kind of work, this business consulting type work? Mm-hmm. So I kind of made the shift to the focus to, okay, I needed my body to be in tip top shape or now I'm just, okay, it's the same thing, but it's my brain now. Mm-hmm. Right. So what kind of supplements do I have to take to optimize that? Obviously, your physical health is very important, right? But that's right. directly correlate, correlated with how your how your brain works. Mm-hmm. So I, I focus a lot on that. So it's sleep, uh, a, a lot of supplements for again focusing on you know cognitive ability, um, memory, all that kind of stuff. So if I'm doing exercises, that's how I motivate myself to read. I'm thinking I'm doing a cognitive exercise, right? Right. So every every morning I'm I'm reading for about an hour, right? Good and I try you. not to read. I try not to jump around. I used to like I'm going to read 300 books a year. Right. But now it's okay. I'm going to read one book. I'm going to pick and choose. This is what I need right now. Like I said, mm-hmm. this is what I'm lacking. Identify the book I need to read, identify the skill I need to, to acquire. And that's what I'm going to read. And I might read that book two or three times. That's great. Right. So I that's, see you have a book on your stand right behind you. It looks like Great by Choice by Jim great, Collins. Great by Choice. Jim Collins, so, I read. A, I love I love Jim Collins. Right. No, no <laughs> pun. In, uh, that's Great by Choice that you have that great, book. Yeah. So and <laughs> you can read it over and over. Yeah. I see what you did there. So every every morning, that, that's what I do. I want my brain to, that's what I want my the first thing my brain to do. Right. right is is to, to open up, try to learn, try to put something new in there. Okay. Right? And that really helps kind of expand it. It puts my day off to a good start. And I find if I don't do that and I have to do something like this, right. I'm tripping over my words much, right. much more than I right. maybe already am, right? Sure. Um, so it's it's the reading. So again, I see it as an exercise. And then I'm doing some sort of just any kind of exercise. Yeah. And that's where it's it's difficult coming from a professional athlete because you're training to, there's a date on the calendar. Exactly. And you're trying to beat everybody who else is going to be there on that date on the calendar. Right. Right. There's so also that, a that peak was, level that you're trying to get to and that you're really holding yourself against this very high standard exactly. and you don't have that standard anymore and so it drops off yeah it's, it, but it's, the standard just shifted to something else mm-hmm. so it's it's it, it was tough to to start but again i i had the system to build the habit so then it would be i'd just go for a walk or right. 
you know, go to the gym and I don't have to be there for two hours killing myself. I'm just there for 30 minutes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's read and then go to the gym or do just some, just some sort of movement. Right. And then as long as I do that, I know my day is going to be fine. I know I'm going to be, I know I'm accomplished. I already have an outcome that I wanted. Mm-hmm. All I got to do is get the next one. I have proof that I got an outcome I wanted for the day. Right. So there's no reason why I can't accomplish the next one. That's great. And then the other kind of routine is other than everything else that's on my calendar is just before I go to bed, I, I have a couple courses that I've done on, um, on cognitive awareness, talking mm-hmm. to your subconscious and communication. Um, and I, I just read through some of that before my head hits the pillow. That's great. And it's really not super complicated. <laughs> that's great. So, so that is a great segue to that 180 degree turn. I told you I was going to take in a moment. So there's a lot of distractions in life today. Um, cell phones, are, are a dis- major distraction because the cell phone is the modern day Swiss army knife. The Swiss army knife really was a cool little thing that you got when you were a young kid. And then you realize this thing doesn't really do that much. Like it's got a lot of gadgets, but the cell phone is to me, the modern day Swiss army knife. It does everything. It's a computer in your hand, right? And um, the distractions I think for many people are social media, and all the notifications that pop up. And if you don't know how to even manage the phone, you and you download apps and you subscribe to things, you can start getting notified like crazy. And so we've got to train our brains to, rem- to not let those s- impulses to be on social media, um, you know, drive us to sleep and get us going in the morning when we wake up. And so I'm sure you talk about this kind of stuff or deal with this stuff personally or talk to your clients about this. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. And a lot of it is we're, we're stuck in this highlight reel, mm-hmm. at least the per- perceived highlight reel. Right. Right. So when we're, especially if somebody who's new or hasn't struggled, everybody's struggled in some way or form, right? The worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. I don't want to take away from anybody, but they haven't, they haven't really seen or understand what it truly takes to be successful at something at, you know, you know what I mean? Like truly be, there's like, okay, I did well. And then there's like, this is what I want. And then when we go on social media or anywhere, really the ads that pop up everywhere, we always see is this, we don't see, we don't see this right. or, or at least, at least right. not as much. Right. 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 So you, you get you get a lot of people, especially when they're first starting out. They see the glory, they see the the money, they see the new cars, or they they see them up on stage or whatever it is, and then that's what they think. Why am I not there yet? It's been eight months. Why am right. I not there yet? Right, right. And that's what they're always comparing themselves to, and then they get stuck in this loop where, like, okay, I have this cool thing that I want to do. Oh, I just found out that it's hard, and I'm going to do something else. Right, mm-hmm. and then they start again at a different loop. And then mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I'm doing well. And then they're down lower. And then it keeps getting lower and lower and lower before. And they, they're just exhausted. And they're just they're just done. Right? Because they're, they're so, why am I not? They, they, don't, they don't stick with it long enough. Because all they, all they see, they're so tuned in tune with highlight reels. Even the ads that we get with a lot of, and this is one thing that bugs me about the industry. This might piss some people off, but that's fine. Is a lot of the ads that we see, and whether it's marketing or sales or whatever it is, Try this thing and you'll make 30K in your first 90 days or your first 30 yeah. days. Yeah. Right. Highlight reel. They're selling mm-hmm. a highlight reel. They're not selling mm-hmm. all the hard work that it really takes is work for them maybe. And a few other people that are similar to them, right? I'm not just discounting it. A lot of it works, but for the majority, 
it's not going to work 100% for everybody. So they're, again, they're getting sold a highlight reel. Right. Right. And then, but they don't see that like, okay, but then after that, you might get 30K in the first month. But if you truly want to be successful, it's going to get really hard. Mm-hmm. And you got to be able to keep going, keep going, keep going. Because eventually, if you keep going, you'll, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. You have a breakthrough and then you'll start going this way again. Right. But so many people quit before that part. Right. Because right? we're just surrounded by highlights. And, and that's, I don't know if it's called a doom loop, but that's the word that keeps going in my head. It's like, you uh, know, I, I, that's what I just named. I don't know. <laughs> we can name it whatever like we it. want. Right. What we, name, we can name it whatever we want, but it's, <laughs> it's, it, but it, it, it is what it is. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a loop that people get stuck in that and they're not necessarily doomed, but uh, like they could be. They're less uh, likely to be. People succeed. feel like they need to keep up and that that's part of keeping up. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I, I say people, I'll speak for myself. I, I too feel the need to, I have to do some checking in with social media because, you know, I've got to post, I've got to have relevant content. We've got to, you know, and I'll expand, expand this conversation to AI and the mm-hmm. importance of seemingly importance of AI, because it's a, it's the next big wave right it was mm-hmm. the internet then it was it was digital it was the internet and oh, now it's it seems like ai and the need to understand and keep up with and even utilize it in in our businesses uh i was working on some marketing copy yesterday and i was looking for better ways of saying something so i turned to chat gpt and sure enough it gave me a whole lot of ideas way beyond just asking for a synonym on uh in the you know on the online dictionary and so we have to incorporate these frameworks but yet not get lost and overwhelmed with implementing all these new tools mm-hmm. i know that's well, something they're just that about. Mm-hmm. yeah no 100 they're just that they're tools right they're, they're they're tools right they're not they're not something to be consumed by right, right. They're, they're something to understand they're something to utilize to your benefit but some of those tools aren't going to be good for you Mm-hmm. Right. If I'm if I'm trying to build a house, a hammer probably is a tool that I'll pick. Right. If I'm trying to build a house, a bulldozer probably isn't the tool for me. Right. But again, we all we see is the highlight reels. So if if you're somebody who's trying to build a house and you see a very compelling ad, probably made by some sort of AI, or at least they utilize some sort of AI, they're marketing a bulldozer. They'll tell you that that's they've seen success with people who bulldoze things. Right. And you're like, okay, I'll try that because that's I'll, I'll try right. that now. Right. This hammer's not working. When really you also needed a saw. You also need a nail. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's mm-hmm. where do you use to utilize them, slowing down. Okay, what do I need? And that's where a lot of people just aren't clear. I could go down this rabbit hole now too. A lot of people just aren't clear. Entrepreneurs aren't clear on what, what their outcome is. A lot of them is just like, I want to make this much money. Right. Or I want to have this big of a company. Right. Right. But they don't what what is that? Right. right. If you want to make $10 million. What does that look like? Who do you need on your team? What do you want to sell? Who do you want to be known as? What type of person do you need to be to make $10 million? And, and then most if you can... importantly, maybe what's your why behind all that? Because, you know, the people that you sign up to work for you or work with you, they may not care about it being a $10 million company. Like, how does exactly. that connect to their why? Exactly. So uh, mm-hmm. coming up with a purpose that is really foundational that's beyond money or, per, or profit higher purpose mm-hmm. than profit so important i think oh 100 we, we there we could quote jim collins at that point too you know he, he says the the importance of having like the vision which right. is the core values and principles mm-hmm. and then it's your 
purpose. So your reason for existing outside of just making money. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, and then your mission, which is the strategy that's the, then that's like, now right. we're getting down to like, what's the outcome that we want? And then let's break it down to a bunch of little outcomes. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's so important to have that. Cause if you want to unify a team, which is a little plug, the, the you and summit is you unify your team around a shared vision. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you, if so, so many people are unclear in that it's either just make money or I want to just have a big company. I want to be able to sell and have a high valuation and live on a beach, which is great. Right. And What's I think the that you people, and summit, summit, you, you said that I don't think people understood that reference. Can you explain? So the, so the acronym, so the summit, so the first, the S is start with you. And then the U is unify your team around a shared vision. Got it. So it's, it's, what is your, what is that vision? Got it. Because like, and, and you, you said it perfectly. Not everybody, like how many sales reps, how many cold callers, how many customer service reps really care if the company makes $500 million. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think they really care, but they could get behind wanting to the change, the lives of the people in our community. They can get behind, um, you know, creating general for generational wealth for X, Y, Z community, whatever, whatever it is, right. You think right. of, think of all these, these great things you can, that they can get behind that. And when you're at your, you know, if you do like an annual big team get together or conference or anything like that, and you're rallying behind that, Mm-hmm. You're going to have a lot more of that room. I'm not saying everybody, right? But you're going to have a lot more of that room bought in, especially on your leadership team, especially on on your inner circle, yeah. right? You're going to have much more buy-in. You're going to have much, they're going to be much more willing when you ask them, hey, I need you to work on a Saturday and a Sunday. They're much more likely to be like, yes, because they have a compelling reason to do so. They have a compelling purpose to do so. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Zach, take us home. Tell us about Summit Chasers Network. What is that? Yeah. What's your business all about? Tell us a little yeah. bit about that. No, I love it. So our kind of our purpose. So I like like we explained in the in the podcast. I have kind of an unconventional uh, upbringing. Um, mm-hmm. Barely graduate. Actually, I didn't graduate high school. Went and got my GED afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a fairly unconventional upbringing. And uh, through after I was done competing, I started a. Um, I was a co-founder in a consulting company, and we worked with again. We just took a lot of the stuff from fitness into working with companies. And our first our first ever client was a bail bonds company. Right. Not much to do with fitness. Um, and and it, it, the, the tactics that we use, the accountability, the holding people, uh, the, the, how do you communicate the habits, creating habits, the mm-hmm. coaching and developing people, it translated very well. So we got a lot of traction with that. And then my, my kind of uh, purpose, I guess, was I want people who have my type of upbringing to have a chance at success. Because a lot of times it's not, it's not that they don't have the skills or the experience, the capabilities it's in here, right? They get, they, they put shackles on themselves. They're like, Oh, I didn't graduate high school or oh, I only worked in construction or right. I was an athlete. I'm not supposed to be successful in this. And then immediately your subconscious is like, Oh, we're not supposed to do good at this. So let's not. <laughs> right. So they put shackles on themselves right away, but they have so much capability and so many people that I've worked with just doing podcasts, um, did, um, consulted with myself or coached myself. They have the, greatest some of the greatest ideas so many innovations have come from small businesses because they have the ability they can be more fluid to compete and they need to to compete with the bigger companies so there's so many cool innovations that come out so really with summit chasers our focus is to allow the or we want the expectant the expectancy of small the success of small businesses to be expected not not like a, by chance. We want Understood. it to be something that that these guys can come in and innovate and create a great future with values, um, and really, really create a future, um, really create a, a better future for these people. Because again, there's so many great people. Yeah. So many great 
you know, hard nose, blue collar, and even if they're not blue collar, whatever, they just worked really hard. They, they, they just don't feel like they're supposed to succeed. And well, that's, that's really kind of the purpose. So. so many of us coaches have that imagery on our website. I know I have it on the homepage of my website, you know, that it's a 20 mile March to quote from Jim Collins miles, yeah, and there that go. there's a summit and uh, there's a lot of other coaching companies that use apex and peak and mm -hmm. summit. And so I get it. That's the connection, folks. Um, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to reach you? Is it at summer, uh, summitchasersnetwork.com? Summitchasersnetwork.com or scngetstarted.com. Zach Carlin on LinkedIn, Summit Chasers on pretty much everything else, social media-wise, Summit Chasers. So, yeah, you can find us there. Sounds good. Thanks for being on the show Thank today. You. Yeah. Folks, Thank you know you the much. drill. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with others and please give us a great rating on your podcast listening application of choice and stay tuned for future episodes of the Disruptive Successor Show. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill and my purpose is simple, to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Thank you for joining us on the Disruptive Successor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, review, and share with a friend who would benefit from the message. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, go to DisruptiveSuccessor.com.